0: One small step for man. One for Columbia,
1: Columbia, Welcome back. This is the Knicks Wall Podcast. I am your host, Mike Cortez. Joining me today, Kyle, Sean, and welcoming back Eli Cohen. Eli, how was your vacation, man?
0: Man, it's great. It's a uh, it's a little rough being back in snowy Vermont, but I, I loved my time in Guatemala.
1: Yeah. Well, Eli was scouting an unknown prospect to be named later, <laughs> so you will find more about that later on. But yesterday, last night, Knicks returned after seven days off. Felt like a really long seven days, but. They traveled to Milwaukee and got their ass whooped by a very good Bucks team. RJ Barrett looked good; he scored a team-high 22 points on nine of 15 shooting. And I guess I'll start with you, Kyle. What was your main takeaway after seven days without Knicks basketball?
2: I mean, they came out the gates pretty well. They came out with really good energy. I thought. Um, I. I mean, I. I don't even think this was like a playing flat issue yesterday. I just thought like it was like a welcome back kind of moment for like Randall and the Knicks. Uh, the Bucs were really physical with Julius Randall yesterday. Obviously um, a big reason for his success this season is he's been much quicker, but also as physically dominant. So he's been bullying people with ease because then he could also get around them very quickly. Uh, he's been more elusive. The Bucks play. You know, played him really well. They kind of walled him off. So like when he likes to do that sweeping fadeaway thing, they were sort of expecting him to do that, forcing him to pass a little bit earlier, bodying him when he would try to body them. Uh, Bobby Portis, you know, especially the couple of moments where those two were going at it. So I thought it was a tough matchup in general. I also think the Bucks probably didn't forget about the smackdown we laid down at MSG. Uh, this is a contending team they probably knew okay the Knicks are actually good this time maybe we didn't take them as seriously at MSG and we're going to make sure that we're felt this time so aside from like you know Forbes raining threes on us I just thought it was like a regular RJ was good Randall had a bad game and it seems like whenever Randall was just a little bit off the game looks Mm -hmm. drastically worse because the Spurs game was like this too it was like you know, I think quickly was cooking. Uh, everybody else was more or less okay. Randall was just off, and then they lost. And it like when he's when he's down, like this team is totally disjointed, discombobulated because he he scores so much, he you know facilitates so much. So they made life very difficult for Julius, which in turn made life very difficult for the Knicks which in turn meant Alfred Payton was chucking as much as he could because of course that always that always seems to be what happens uh, when the Knicks are down Alfred Payton decides it's Alfred Payton time and then RJ Barrett gets no more shots so.
1: 14 shots for Alfred I believe last night second on the team. quarters. And by the way there were a couple for people saying like well somebody has to shoot them there were a couple instances where I saw Julius Randle open even Reggie Bullock. Now, you know it's a problem when I'm complaining that Reggie Bullock's not getting the ball. But, you know, I mean, Alfred's out there supposed to be table setting. And he's just kind of just eating for himself, man. It's like it's hard to watch at times. And last night was a great example of that.
3: I mean, look, before the game, they said it. And, you know, I think the whole MSG love fest with Alfred has been really disgusting. Uh, it's one of my least favorite things about the world right now. Um, but you know, they said that we were seven and two in games where he has five or more assists. And I think they thought they were saying a good thing. And then I just sat there and thought about it some, and now, you know, now that we've had yesterday's game, he didn't get five assists once again. So we've played, we're 19 and 19. We've played 38 games this year. Alfred missed four because he's Iron Ironman other, other than that hamstring injury. So he's played 34 games and nine times he's managed to come up with five assists. And I just think that's extremely telling. And, you know, of course, it's not to say, you know, people are going to use that for him, the small crowd of Alfred defenders that are out there. And, you know, I hate that I just started speaking and immediately started Alfred bashing, but (laughs) I'm sick of this. (laughs) But, you know, like they're going to be like, oh, yeah, seven and two, like he has a good impact on the team. Like no, no shit that your team is better when the point guard facilitates at least a little bit. Like that makes sense. So maybe we should get a point guard in here or put a point guard on the floor who's able to facilitate on a consistent basis. And if you're not going to be a guy who gets five assists more than nine times, more than 25% of the time, or like more than 27% of the time, you should at least be a good scorer. So if this guy's not setting the table, he's not creating for guys, he's not setting guys up in the, I mean, I'm sure we'll get to the stat, but in just a ridiculous amount of time, the small amount of assists he has to RJ, like he's not not setting people up and he's hindering us offensively. It's really bad. And I think that last night, and that's part of why it's harder when Randall's bad or Randall has an off night. I mean, because there was one point uh, I saw DJ Augustine come and he kind of blitzed Randall from the weak side and he was getting doubled. And where was Alfred Payton? Standing under the basket. Like, behind Bobby Portage, just completely useless as an off-ball player, which is why they're able to double so early and so often. I know it makes life harder for everybody on the court. Um, But, yeah, you know, we got a good game out of RJ. Like Kyle said, I know the Bucs didn't forget about that game. They're a contender. Um, They took a lot of pride in that. And I know we haven't been a good team in a while, but this is what good teams do after the All-Star break. They lock in, they set their sights, and they came out to make a point, and they slapped the shot of us. Um, But we also didn't help ourselves. Yeah, no, I agree with most
2: of that. Um, and I thought it was a an especially good point about the the perceived Alfred Payton floor general because I, I don't know where people get this this notion from other than it's told to them that he's a floor general because he's not. Like, if you're watching the games, like, he he just likes to shoot the ball, man. Like, that's all that's happening. He, he goes out, he shoots the ball 12 to 15 times a game, and he maybe scores, you know, 12 to 14 points so it, it's not it's not an effective use because he's not shooting any threes. He doesn't get to the foul line a ton. He's usually just throwing up, you know, kind of bullshit in the paint. And it, it's not there's a reason why he's always open for those little in between shots. It's because the defense wants Alfred Payton to be shooting inefficient twos from that distance. It's a win for the defense if he's shooting, those. So it to your point about, you know, it, it's fine if you're not going to be able to assist like that you know, yeah, you do got to be able to score. That's why we've been saying for quickly and everybody goes, oh, well, he's not a floor general. He doesn't play make enough. That's fine because you have two guys on the floor that do do that stuff. You have Julius Randle, NBA all-star, largely off the back of being able to facilitate and set up the offense. You have RJ Barrett who one big component of his game is being that secondary playmaker, just like we have often talked about with him. So if you have two guys who are looking to actively play off of each other and facilitate, those are the first two options on your team, and both are the primary playmakers on in this offense, 9 out of 10 times. So if that's the case, you don't need a point guard out there who's going to do all this facilitating. You just need a point guard who's going to go out there and shoot the ball, which is why we always push for manual quickly. It's very, very simple. And again, even if it's not going to be, Quickly, It's got to be a Rose who can at least be aggressive enough to score where it's not this inefficient thing every night, this like cloud over the offense where we know there's nothing else besides that. At least we know Rose drives and kicks more effectively than Alfred Payton also. Like it, it's just, it's gotten to the point where there's like just there's, there's too, it's too much narrative with Alfred Payton. Like it, people want him to be a point guard. People think he looks like a point guard. Maybe he plays like he looks like a punk. I don't know what it is, but I mean the result the results are there we have an inefficient chucker who doesn't set the table enough like that's just the reality of the situation so if if you want someone to set them up more you play Derrick Rose I think if you want somebody who's going to score more and fit with the starters I think quickly makes more sense but Alfred Payton doesn't fit into this equation and I made this point before he just makes more sense off the bench. If you're going to play a bunch of shooters and you need to play Alfred Payton, it just doesn't, it it makes the least amount of sense forcing him with the starters. You could at least play him off the bench a little bit more. And I know they use Burks as a playmaker and things like that, but at least you have guys who could, you know, shoot the ball more where Alfred who drives in kicks, or at least that's supposed to be what he's been, you know, doing, at least he makes some more sense there where he's not clouding the playmaking duties of RJ or taking RJ shots or, you know, whatever with Randall too. So there's just a lot of things wrong with the conversation surrounding it uh, based on just like a mountain of evidence that we have.
1: Right. And well, just yesterday, too. Well, just one point on that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Last night, 14 attempts for Alfred, four free throw attempts, I believe. No, I'm sorry, two. Emmanuel quickly, 10 shot attempts, nine free throw attempts. So Alfred's taking shots and he's not even getting to the free throw line. So he's not really generating much. Randall six assists. Just put quickly into the starting lineup already. It's just, it's there. Like if quickly shot 414, he's probably having maybe, I don't know, eight to 10 free throw attempts on top of that. So it's just, like Kyle said, it's the narrative is overtaking the actual
2: production. And sorry, Eli, to cut you off one more time before you go. There's one more stat on the Randall point too, where he, I think has, he's fifth. This was via NBA uh, NBA, um, stats via uh, our boy Evan. Um, I think Randall's like fifth in front court players for potential assists. Like he's way up there. And I think he leaves like two plus assists a game on the table like for jump shooters, which that's what we complain about. I mean, obviously, quickly's going to miss his shots too if he was starting. That doesn't mean he's never going to miss. It just means, you know, very obviously... The the ball is finding a non shooter's hand so much more often for Julius Randle, and that's a problem when he's been setting up guys so good this season. That means those five assists that he's now averaging should be back more towards the beginning of the season, where it was like seven, eight assists. So we're 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 leaving just production at the table. Those are free points, as far as I'm concerned. So those are you know anywhere between you know six to nine points a game that we're leaving on the table, just from Julius Randle passes alone. So it there's a just a big need for this upgrade in shooting in the starting group.
0: Yeah. And I mean, the, the funny thing is like, this is the person that Peyton is, is, like, this is who he's always been. Like, since he came into the league, like he was supposed to be the floor general and defensive player. And he couldn't even play with, with Oladipo. Like I, I haven't forgotten that the magic started bringing Oladipo off the bench because they couldn't play together. Like he, he's never been a good defender, even though he thought he came in looking like he would be. So to keep trying to force him into this role, it's crazy. He's 27 years old. Like he's not a young guy. It's not like, Oh, just keep working on it. We're going to crack the code. It's just, it's not going to happen. This is just who he is at this point. And like, you know, to that point, like he's 27 years old, he's been in the league for seven seasons. He hasn't figured out that putting arc on a jump shot makes it easier to go in. Like he just, he brings nothing to the table. And it's like, it's not, it's not even about quickly. Like that, that's the thing that I think gets lost. Like when people try to like rebut the idea of putting quickly in the starting lineup that he's not ready or that he's not a floor guard or uh, you know, a, a floor general, both of those things might be true. He might not be ready. He, you know, he has games where he looks like he's a future star and he has games where he kind of like floats and overthinks it. That's he's a rookie. He, he might not be ready, but it's not about quickly. It's about how detrimental Peyton is while he's out there. So when people say put quickly in, Yeah, it's because we're excited about him. It's because he brings a skill set we haven't had from the guard position in a long time, but it's also just he's not Peyton. He, like, brings something to the table when he's out there. And, like, the thing about Peyton is there are so few times that he's bringing more than he's taking away. And if he was bringing just one thing, if he were a good defender, that would be one thing. If he were passing even at a level where, like, you know, like we know that he can get – double-digit assists not that we want him you know even then it was still kind of tricky but at least you could like justify it a little bit then but like right now it's so strange to me that no matter how terribly he played at any point in the season it doesn't affect him whereas like every like all the other guys have to sort of fight and claw for their minutes but like Peyton. Just has this like his ability to survive any coach, any administration, any terrible play, is just it's mind-boggling. I really I don't understand it unless it's like you know an edict from Scott Perry, patron saint of all things Alfred Payton. Like it's the most confounding thing.
3: I. I keep saying he is one of the most resilient players and people I've ever seen in my life. There's nothing that will hold him back. I finally thought we had the opportunity when he pulled the hammy and fate took Rose out of the lineup so that he could go right back in. Um, And yeah, I mean, I I don't get it. I don't get what people are watching. And it's one thing with just watching, you know, because I feel like a lot of people simply don't know how to watch basketball. And I'm also aware that you know, a narrative can cause you to see something a certain way. And I'm cautious of that in my own, like in myself, like even yesterday before pregame prayers, like over the all-star break, I really, you know, we, after the, you know, Theo thing happened or whatever, like I really had to talk to myself. And I was like, you know what, Sean, like don't kill people. Like it's a new slate, you know, if they come back in, I was like, Alfred played a pretty solid game going into the all-star break. He scored 20 points. He was passing the ball to RJ. I was like, hey man, if you do this, I'm cool. I was trying my best. I was trying to stay there. But as you watch the game, it's just impossible not to see what a detriment he is to the team and how consistent I on and I keeps I I don't know. It's a it's a turnover. It's one of the worst possessions in basketball when Alfred Payton comes down and takes a shot without anybody touching the ball. I don't understand. I don't think that many point guards should do that, period. But, I mean, other guy like, if it's Dame Lillard and he comes down and he decides to go with his man one-on-one, that's cool. But yesterday, Elf came down and, like, did a crossover and came and pulled up in the middle, like, from the free throw line. And uh, all I could think of was the Ewing gift where it's like, do you work on that shot? Like, just why are, you, why are you doing that with 20 seconds left on the shot clock that's a horrible possession and we have a lot of those and like those are things that they don't point out and you know they say Clyde is saying about RJ he's like oh he's got to step up and be that second guy that the team is supposed to be they're going to need consistency out of him you know and RJ's averaging 16.5, six boards for the season over his last 30 games he's amazing and then they put up a graphic with Alfred Payton's like last nine games and he's averaging 15 points and four, like less than four assists and they're Like, oh, he's been killing it. And it's just like, yo, like, why is the 27-year-old given so much more leniency than the second-year guy? And it's really frustrating, bro. Like, Alfred Payton... Is there's there are 40 players in the NBA that and this is from Tom Piccolo. 40 players in the NBA that have over 350 drives this season. Payton ranked 35th among that group in pass percentage out of drives. None of the five players below him in point guards. These are not things you can deny anymore and say that oh you guys just don't like him so you don't want him to. No, bro, like this is cold hard facts. Like that's a horrible stat. That's and that's insane. And I'm I'm just tired of it, bro. I'm tired of it. He just keeps me... I'm so tired of seeing RJ... RJ is shooting... At, over the past month and a half or so, RJ might be near like 60% on those corner threes in particular. And for some reason, he still ends up jumping up and down doing jumping jacks while over Peyton drives to the basket and takes contested floaters between three people. It's disgusting, bro. You, you, gotta pa- you, gotta, you gotta pass the ball or you gotta score better if you're off of Payton. Peyton. That's it. Like, that's that's literally what it
2: comes down to. And he's not doing either. And it's very, very sad. So, you know, I, on the Alfred note, it's it's frustrating. I don't know what, what's going to happen here. I do sometimes just wonder if it's some sort of agency favor. We know uh, what's going on with the Knicks and who they work with right now, often with CAA. So you got to just wonder sometimes if they just want to do the player a good favor before they send him out you know on his way and go hey we gave him two good starting gears we we try look look how good we were to try to take care of somebody that came here after we i, I i'm just sort of trying to put some pieces together guys i don't actually i'm spitballing i because I, I don't know how else it's possible i don't know if it's a julius randall ask that he he likes alfred to be his start like i don't I don't know. I don't even want to put that out there with how good he's been this season. So I find that impossible. I, 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 yeah, I, retreat, I retract the Julius Randle part, but you never know. I'm just trying to think out loud here. I'm just trying to consider all the possibilities because it, it doesn't make sense. It's, it can't be off play. It can't be off merit. So um, my last Bucks note uh, is not an Alfred note. Uh, it is that... I'm actually angry at Frank Milakina, guys, uh, and not for the usual reasons. I'm actually angry at him because he had a beautiful defensive possession where he shut down Drew Holiday and forced him to take a contested shot, uh, fading out of bounds right before the, the shot clock was about to expire, resulting in Knicks basketball. And then he comes down on the other side of the court with just Giannis guarding him and starts sizing him up. And starts to get a little bit saucy, and I thought, oh, man, he's going to do it. He hasn't missed this month. This is an excellent time to splash a big three in in Giannis's face, and he missed the three. And I thought, how are you going to shoot 60% and miss that one? You got to make that one. So I'm obviously busting his balls a little bit, but I really did want to see that. I was actually very excited. Uh, It's not every day that one of your bench guys decides that he's going to size up Giannis. I wanted that one to go in. I just say, I'm so glad you brought that up because –
0: that was like, I've never seen Frank do that in four years ever. as a player. Like, I don't even care that he missed it. Just the fact that he tried it, I'm like, oh, my God. Frank has kind of grown some balls over here. Like, he's actually playing with a little bit of confidence. Like, he just looked Giannis in the eye and said, you know what? I'm taking it. And that was one of the most encouraging misses I've ever seen in my life.
2: My eyes got so wide. So He took two dribbles, and I was like, Oh. All right, man. Let's let's make sure that this one goes in, please. This is a good one.
1: I'm telling you, Frankie. He's a silent killer, man. He he's got it in him. He's that's why I get so frustrated when he doesn't show it consistently. It can be. A I player. liked when
3: I liked when he um. It was toward the end of the quarter. He ended up missing, but it was another one that I like liked the miss where he came down. He like made the, he used the in and out and got to the basket like toward the end of the quarter as the time was expiring. He like went coast to coast. And he didn't finish, but I just like the aggressiveness and the move. And I know that we can't sit here and be like, oh, wow, what a move that he made when he missed that layup. But, you know, it's just, yeah, seeing that aggression from him, like, and you can just see that his confidence is growing a little bit. And I hope that, you know, it sucks to see the shots not go in because with guys like Frank and Quick or guys who aren't Reggie Bullock and Alfred Payton, clearly everything has to be merit-based. So it's like, if he's not shooting 60%, uh if he was shooting 60% and still only playing 15 minutes, it makes me nervous when the shots don't go in. Like what's gonna happen?
1: Yeah. And one more thing on that Bucks game. I, I can't believe I missed this at the top, but that RJ dunk made me feel <laughs> things. It made me feel things.
2: The little the little fake right before he blew by Chris Middleton was just like Like, those are the things that I want to see, like, once a game from him. And obviously, like, I'm not trying. This isn't like slanderous. Obviously, you know how much of R.J. But like the next step in his growth is being able to do that kind of stuff, because the big knock against him besides the jump shooting was like, he's got no wiggle. He's not gonna be able to get past somebody in the NBA. It's so a lot of wiggle last night. He, he got by Chris Whittleton, and then he went by for the dunk. Uh, I, I, and I like it, man. I mean, he's got to be more aggressive. He's so strong, man. He's just got to lean in and be aggressive like that and punch it in. I, I like it. I like it. Just more of that now, more of that.
3: Yeah. Every time he makes a move like that, I just think of wiggle Twitter. Saying that he didn't have any wiggle and couldn't make a move, and blah blah. blah. And it's like, yo, Chris Middleton's a pretty good defender, and that Hezo was deadly. I was like, he had Legal. to have carried. I watched it like six times. I was like, yeah. yo, like, dangerously this- close.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> dangerously.
2: I, don't, I think the way he brought it up was like right before his hand was, I don't know, eight he did it he pulled that's what the NBA got away
3: with it and then came down and got the baptism like he really came down and extended like that Red was umbrella. yeah those are definitely things I want to see more and that's those are two very good defenders like Chris Middleton yeah. is a great perimeter defender and Brooke Lopez was in the defensive player of the year conversation for the way he protected the basket last year so you know like I RJ was great last night and it sucks that everything else was so bad And it sucks that, you know, even on nights where he's, I feel like on a night like last night where like, you know, Julius is having a horrible game and not, I mean, it was a horrible game, but it happens, but you know, Julius is having an off night and we have nothing else going. I feel like it should definitely go to RJ Barrett. Like he should definitely get way more attempts. He shot 60% last night. Nobody else could hit anything. Why do you only take 15 shots? Like, I feel like he should have had the ball more. He should have been getting more opportunities. Um, and, you know, even more playmaking opportunities because he was that pull up mid range jumper is looking legit now. Like. I was just
1: about to mention that. It looks like that's going to be his shot. Uh,
3: and it's funny because last year, every time he would take it like, you know, there were a couple games where he would come down, he made that little pull up, but it was way more calculated before. Like you could see him kind of sizing the steps out as he was stepping into it. And whenever you hit it, I'd just be like, yo, like when he gets that shot consistently, he's going to be a problem. And he's coming off that down. He's coming off, you know, he's coming downhill and, you know, guy, he gets guys on the shoulder. He gets to the basket. Well, so you've got to prepare for that. And when he stops and on a dime and pulls up like that, it's, it's looking like he's got that shot. It's lovely.
2: I'm a little bit confused with some of the data that I've been reading on his, on that shot specifically, because I felt the same way. I thought like very obviously that was, was coming along. I think like, I think that should make sense with how his efficiency has upticked, you know, not just the three point shooting, but I was looking at some uh, website before and on the website, it was showing the data for self-created jump shots. um, And like the effectiveness for certain players and Randall's made plenty of sense when I looked at it, because the obvious reasons that you could expect, he's now making a ton of threes, you know, His his mid-range has been pretty much what it normally is. But, like, his look, you know, you could see, like, the uptick on stuff. RJ's was very strange because he was totally flat on shots created at the rim. He was slightly down on his self-created mid-range, and then he was, like, way down on the threes. Threes, I understood because he's spotting up more. But I thought the mid-range, like, I thought that's, like, specifically where he was taking, like, more, like, off the bounce, off the dribble, like, making a quick move, pull. you know, I – I'm wondering is it like like what what could why would that be flat that doesn't make sense so
3: is that I, chart in I terms wrong? of is that chart in terms of production or how many they take because there was a long period of the, of the season where RJ was shooting like shit from all over the floor so i feel like that yeah. skews all of those numbers if it's in terms of like the success rate of that shot
2: no it just said uh, it's just the amount of times that he's been doing that but i oh, just wow. thought I, I just thought that it was more is my point. I thought, I thought it was more. I, I don't know. I just thought we've seen like him pulling up more. I thought we've seen him doing more step backs. And again, maybe it's my perception of it. I'm just reading it wrong, but I was a little bit surprised to see it's like almost pretty level. That's just one website though. So don't kill me. All right. So we're going to take a quick break here uh, on the other half of this pod. We're going to pick back up with a couple of all-star notes, just some housekeeping. Oh, we got robbed. no big deal. Um, And then uh, we do want to touch on what is now uh, another MSG security incident. We just want to talk about uh, the GOAT Patrick Ewing real quick. So we'll pick pick it back up on the other side of an ad here. So we'll see you guys there. So my only take from All-Star Weekend, fellas, Obi Toppin was robbed in the dunk contest. Uh, I I have to say it. Uh, I have to say it even though. He didn't do himself any favors with the order. I just simply cannot believe that we're giving out trophies for almost dunks in 2021.
1: Disgusting. It's really disgusting. I, I, My, I really can't. Go ahead, Eli.
0: It's so- My only quibble, and I, I agree that his dunk was better than Simon's dunk. My only quibble is that both those dunks just sucked and were boring and had no excitement to them whatsoever. Like... Yes, it was cool that he did it between the legs from a step inside the free throw line. But like, how many like dozens of times have we seen that dunk? It's like that's like a first round dunk at best. And I, I was just confused. I was like, did he not expect to get to the final round? Did he not prepare a third dunk? Because like, just the the lack of creativity. I, I wrote this on, uh, to to Sean on Twitter, but I was just like. Out of the, I just felt like every the people who watched it were robbed. I was like it was so hopeful for Obi because those first two dunks were genuinely awesome. I, I got super excited for both of them. And it was just like he just like ran out of ideas. or I, I don't know what happened, but they, I, I was very disappointed with both of them. So, yeah, he was robbed. But like, like you said, he didn't do himself any favors. And I expect a little bit more from the kid, you know?
1: Right. And But the bigger gripe with me was just like the whole – it felt rushed. And Kenny Smith was hating from this jump. It was very strange. He was just hating on the hometown kid. He's supposed to be from Brooklyn. And then at one point he's like, man, none of these dunks are getting the crowd up. It's like, dude, there's like, what, 10,000 people there? Like, what do you expect? It just had no energy. And then Dominique Wilkins, how long has he been on the panel and no one's giving him shit? I mean – You're going to have a guy who was probably bitter that Michael Jordan beat him like three different times with pretty simple dunks. He's going to be your judge, really? I just – the whole thing was just stupid. And like Kyle said, dunks were out of order, sure. But I'm pretty sure Zach Levine did that same dunk and got a much higher grade. I know they didn't grade anything, but are you really going to tell me that jumping from the free throw line is less impressive than coming a foot short of kissing the rim because – That's pretty much what happened.
3: Yeah, man. Obi was robbed. You guys are right. The dunks were definitely out of order. Like, I feel like had he jumped over Julius and his dad in the final round, it would have been a wrap. Um, Like, this, we'd seen the step inside of Fiddle line thing before. Um, But, yeah, I don't think that you should get slam dunk champion for flirting with the rim. Um, Like, he was nowhere near it, and he just puffed it. Like, I, quite personally, I can jump up and pucker my lips and dunk. It's, it's not, you know, it's not physically impossible at all. I don't think that was very impressive. But honestly, this was a very uninspiring dunk contest, especially just the way that it ended, the energy in the building. Um, this is this is down there, almost down there with that year, like Fred Jones won. Um, it was just one of those dunk, con- like the three-point contest was far more exciting than the dunk contest this year. Um, and I, I think they need to get back to, I I don't know. I feel like they're hurting the event. And I don't know what it is that makes all the players feel like they're too cool for it now. Um, or, but I don't know if they got to start incentivizing it, but there is Zion. Yeah. I don't give a shit about, I mean, I love Obi, and I'm a Knicks fan. Me. I don't give a shit about cash Stanley and Anthony Simons in the dunk contest. And that's know. no slight to those guys, but like you just, when you look, like you said, you got Dominique Wilkins who was losing to Jordan. Like that's, that's something that people want to see. That's something people are going to watch. If, like, I, I don't know. I, I don't want them to ruin the dunk contest. Though. Like, it's already tough because every year there's more things that have been done now, but guys got to be more creative. But at the same time, like, they have to make it a better event. Like, that event mm-hmm. can't lose its luster like that. It used to be the most exciting part of the weekend.
2: Yeah, that definitely. I think, you know, big issues always been that a lot of stuff has been done at this point. But at the same time, the lesser talents are always going to do a lot of the repeat stuff. You know, the reason we get excited for. Zion or the reason a lot of us push for a lot of LeBron's career, you know, now it's, it's over. He's not going to do it, but we wanted him to do the dunk contest for the same reason. Uh, it's exciting to watch LeBron James dunk. And regardless of if he does dunks that have already happened, seeing LeBron do the dunk or Zion do the dunk in an, in an explosive way with their own spin, you know, that's exciting. And you get a couple of big name guys to do it against each other. That's more exciting. So I, 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 I there's a lot of ideas I think we could always do with the dunk contest. NBA, you know, NBA has shown that they're open to tweaking it. We've seen them do other ideas like that dunk fest and, and things like that. But um, yeah, I, I really just mostly agree. I think you just got to find a way to get the big name guys to do it um, or, or at least bigger names. You know what I mean? It can't just be one headliner who's who would be like a B or C list guy if you had star talent up there. And I, I think that's like the crux of the issue. And then as long as you, you get a couple of those guys again, and again, maybe it's incentivizing it. You can maybe start doing charity type things like they, you know, started to do, uh, do this year, maybe up the prize though. So that guys are going to want to participate. If you're giving away like millions of dollars, something like that, where, you know, the NBA is money. I don't know. I'm just spitballing mostly, but it just feels like it, it, it's got to do something because the three point contest, you could replicate, you could do that every year because it's, it's a skill where you're just shooting the ball, you know what I mean. The skills contest is the same way. Where it you could run through that obstacle course, and it, that's exciting. It's timed. You, you know, you got to do it quick and and get through it. And I feel like those are over. They're really overtaking the dunk contest at this point. You know, the three point contest used to be the back seat. You now the three point contest is like, man, every every year we're like locked in. Like, okay, we, we got to see Steph go off. We we got to see who's is Joe Harris coming back in fifty percent three point shooter. Like, Mike Conley might win it this year. Oh God! And then Steph wins it at the last moment. Like there's a lot of good moments. Even the uh, the three point contest last year was like Devin Booker, Levine. Like th- there was good guys participate in that. We need good talent to participate in the dunk contest, you know, same way the skills contest, we get like Sabonis, you know, we got KP, you know, you, like the bam won it. Like you get good talent to go do these other events. Like it, it can't just be the dunk contest is like, all right, which, which ninth and, and 12th men want to come off the bench and, you know, have a little fun. Like it, it it's embarrassing though. This used to be the premiere event. Like we at least get yeah, it. I mean, you, you said that the skills contest is more
0: exciting and I think we can just leave it at that. That's a problem. If the skills contest is more exciting than the dunk contest, you've got a problem You got to fix it. It's like, it's an easy fix. Like Sean said, just get some kind of incentive in there. Some kind of like bragging rights, make people give a shit up again. Like the fans care, like they're, they're and you know, and we are just like a couple years removed from like Ola Depot and Donovan Mitchell, like, that was fun. Like, I, I don't know what it. What it? I think like, and I think Mike is right that like, someone like Zion, who's so high profile and is, you know, already starting All Star games in his second year, yeah, you're probably not going to get him. Although that is tragic, and I think well, it's why? a disservice to fans everywhere. You just won't do
2: it. MJ did it. Why is it. that? Why is that automatic? It's yeah. Top. Like why? Why is it an automatic cutoff? Like, oh, I'm an All Star. I don't have to do. And I'm not even trying to talk shit about Zion or any of these guys and their decision making. I just don't know why it's like. It's like a it, accepted NBA unspoken rule now. Like once you like make it, yeah, you're good. You don't
3: have to. You don't this, have. To this do. might be LeBron's fault, to be honest.
1: I was just about to say that Vince was <laughs> the last star I remember doing it, unless I'm forgotten. Because I remember Jason Richardson that like became his event for like two, three years. But yeah, LeBron, LeBron, not doing it ever since then. I think Blake was the last high profile guy before Levine thankfully saved it with him and Aaron Gordon. Besides that, it's been like guys like Jeremy Evans, who I can't remember seeing Jeremy Evans playing a real game. So it's a real problem.
3: (laughs) Yeah. And I think the way LeBron ruined it is just like, you know, if, cause yeah, it doesn't like, why is it that guys get established and feel like, okay, that's not something I'm doing anymore. And I feel like people only view it that way because LeBron never did it. And like throughout his whole career, we never got out of him. So now like, I think that's the only reason is, and not to like bash LeBron in, in any way, but it's just like, Zion growing up his example is LeBron. So if the dunk contest seems like something LeBron doesn't do, Zion's going to be less inclined to do it and that's unfortunate cuz like that as far as the tiers reaching a place and not doing it anymore that only exists for the dunk contest. Like the three point contest lineup is amazing. Stephen Curry is the greatest shooter of all time. Like, you know, we got Dame Lillard in it, like it's so the 3 point contest oh wait, was Damon in this one or was it Brad Beal like but just, there's just there's awesome. great shooters there's top shooters in the league like so it's not like All-Star weekend in general or something like that so it's just become the dunk contest and I think that's largely because LeBron never participated. Yeah so it it's it's unfortunate and and speaking
2: of unfortunate things well Brian Gibberman just texted me and said Alfred is hurt again. Uh, is this true before I get to I didn't even time that I was gonna go a different segue there. Uh, is this? I just want to. I just want to confirm my facts now.
1: Well, shout out Brian Giverman th- first and first and foremost.
3: Yeah, shout out Brian Giverman always. I saw that he was. Always. I saw someone say he was questionable, but I didn't want to get my hopes up. But this is confirmation. <laughs> <laughs> All right. uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just was okay. Yeah, I'm just saying questionable. Also, uh,
2: Derrick Rose is still out tomorrow. Um. Okay. It, I mean, it's questionable, Brian. I, I I don't know if you saw something. We, we'll talk after this, I guess. But uh, anyway, back. But what I was gonna say is speaking about terrible things. Uh, Patrick Ewing was upset at MSG yesterday. I'm not gonna go. I, I don't have a soapbox to get on. I'm not generally upset about it. I'm not gonna, even trying to make this a Knicks thing. I would just implore Knicks fans to stop defending stuff. All the time. Okay, guys, we just don't have to defend stuff all the time. If Patrick Ewing is the head coach of a team that is playing at MSG during the Big East tournament at MSG, it is security's job to not, not only know and identify who the coaches of those teams are, but especially if they are Patrick Ewing, whose jersey is in the rafters. I'm not trying to make this some, some big, bad Nick story in a time when things have generally been good for us, I promise you. But there wouldn't have been a story if Nick's security didn't hassle Patrick Ewing. It's very easy to avoid these things. Just, you know, don't treat your job like you're the FBI. Um, there's significantly less fans and people at MSG, so there's significantly less for you guys to have to monitor. And, uh, again, it's Patrick Ewing. I would assume that, uh, you know, the first thing on everybody's desk that day would be, hey, Patrick Ewing's coming back today. Let's make sure he's taken care of, make sure everything's good. Um, so, so then, you know, for him to have to say something is – and again, it, it, everybody says, well, th- there's always an excuse whenever security does something at MSG. Um, fans always have some sort of excuse why they were justified, whether it's Oakley or Spike Lee or, or Pat or whoever it is. Maybe security just needs to take it easy, guys. Uh, maybe that's just the moral of the story here. Maybe security at MSG is just over the top and they got to cool it. That's all I'm saying. I don't think, you know, I, I, we can make any, comparison to any superstar going back to their former venue. And I think most are pretty valid. So I would just like if we could finally have that here. Um, I think that's not an unreasonable ask for sports fans to want to see their former greats uh, respected as, as, such when they come to the facility. So if at any time they have to speak up publicly and complain, uh, it's a problem, especially when the Knicks seem to be the only unlucky team that this happens to all the time. So not the Knicks again, MSG, it's mostly an MSG thing, but you know, just, just don't do that. I, I don't know what else to really say about that. Just just don't do that. Just please please do better.
1: Yeah, and just one more thing on the reporter. Like, I saw Field Yates, and I'm sure he wasn't the only one. He was just – he commented on the situation by saying, I hope the Knicks don't win anything. It's like, this has nothing to do with the Knicks at all.
2: It's really not a Knicks thing. Like, it's just not a, at all. Not even it's, close. It's just that, you know, I think people outside of this area – I think that's the other thing people forget too, is everybody likes to make it like, a oh, people are out to get the Knicks thing. It's, it's msg it's owned by dolan Dolan owns the knicks people outside of this area don't care to do the splitting hairs of all the specifics of it you know what i mean like they just see that it's dolan's building and he owns the knicks and then that's it so i Did think we, we forget also what
1: happened though like what do we forget what happened with the warriors and Masai? <laughs> that was gross that was gross and like it didn't it got some shit but didn't get enough shit and this was kind of very, like, minor, the Pat Ewing stuff. And that's, like, I understand why some Nick fans get a little cagey because that was gross. They stopped a the guy who just won his first NBA championship and they treated him like he's, like, some fan that came running up from this 200 section. like
2: Yeah, and to be clear, like, those are all equally very bad and annoying. Like, I think if you're – and, again, in the finals where there's, like, way more people, this was pre-COVID, like – you can make the argument, I guess, but even then, like, why would so- like you got to know the high-profile guys like that? That's that's my that's my thing always for like any any security, you got to know who like there's like a, a short list of guys like you got to know that are just like full full clearance. If you see them, full clearance, like beside full clearance, like NBA finals with the Raptors, like you cannot give that guy a problem. I feel like it, that should be consistent for most security teams. Like there should be a short list of guys for whatever event you like, you got to just know who that guy is and not give him problems, especially if it's somebody you should have some sort of
3: familiarity with. Kyle, I agree with you there. Like, I definitely think that like, I'm not going to excuse the MSG staff completely. I don't even know how you could possibly live in New York and not know who Patrick Ewing is. Um, And especially if you work at the garden, uh, you know that Georgetown is in there. So yeah. And that's something that even if there's somebody who doesn't know on their own, they should, there should be a memo like, Hey, make sure you know, you, so I get that they could do better there, but I also understand what Mike is saying. And that's kind of where I'm at. Cause I'm kind of with the majority of the fans. I don't think the majority of the fans are making excuses for the security team or Dolan, but it's just like, this shouldn't be on first take. Like, this is not news. It's not, and it's it's really annoying that they do that with everything. And I get where the Knicks and where MSJ and where Dolan and everything, but it's just like, bro, first of all, Ewing was like, it, I'm sure he was annoyed. I'm sure that like that's an annoying thing, but he was saying it jokingly. It wasn't even, people were bringing up the Oakley situation. They, they don't know how to cheat for it. It's like, bro, this is not that. Like, this is, but they, they need it. It's like the Knicks are doing pretty well. They need a story. They're going to take the story. And the fact that, like, I didn't watch the first take segment. Honestly, I don't really care to hear Oh, this is spicy to say out loud on this kind of platform. I don't really care to hear what Stephen A has to say about the Knicks. He's slip flopped way too much. Um, you know, he's a fair weather fan. If things are going badly, he's trashing us and disowning us. And then when things go well, he's so proud. I'm I'm good off that. But like the fact that because I heard Spike Lee was on there and it's just like so every time there's some garden drama, Spike Lee is going to be on first take now. And it's like even as Spike Lee is a fan, that's kind of annoying. It's like, you know, this is nasty. Like that's nasty behavior. I don't think that this is the kind of, th- that could be a joke. Like is if it hits the timeline that, that that with Pat saying that and it's like, haha, Nick's done how to treat guys, blah blah blah. You can move on. But to make it a whole story and do a whole segment on it and have all these people with think pieces and oh, this is the type of toxic environment, but like, bro, shut up. It, and that you know, part is annoying.
2: That that look, I, I agree with all that, but it's it, like the think piece aspect of going off the deep end but at the end of the day like at least with the short-term news cycle stuff like if the Knicks not the Knicks if MSG just doesn't bother Patrick Ewing there's no story is my point like if they simply just do what they're supposed to do then Patrick doesn't say anything and then there's nothing to get picked up like that's always my
3: thing but okay so check me out right if there's a tournament at you know the Amway Center and the Memphis Tigers are in it and somebody stops pinning away. it's not going to be on first take. I don't care. It's not. It's not. Because it's not that big of a deal. Like, it's bad. It shouldn't happen. It doesn't look good. It's bad optically. But it's not that big of a deal.
2: Of course. Of course. But like that's what I'm saying. Like, I, we like this conversation with us is generally pretty quick. Because even coming into this, all I really had to say is just, hey, man, maybe maybe security should take it a little bit easier and do a little bit better. Like, aside from that, like, it it was pretty much... It was pretty much done after Pat made the comments. You know what I mean? So it, you just can't – It would, this is why I urge them to do better is because if you're the Knicks, you can't give people any reason to say anything, and especially when it's in a department where you've had issues with historically with the security team. So – that that's why like part, part of this image cleaning up I think they've done a spectacular job for the most part of the season I've been very honest about that I think the next part is like trying to convince people that the MSG aspect of it is also resolved I think stuff like this not happening is going to help their case it's just you know the, the first take stuff where spike comes on like that's just to be expected at this point whenever there's an issue like that like it's just and the thing is too they do that for the outrage they know that you guys are going to be mad about it like even the Max Kellerman stuff, the reason why he invites people on Knicks fans on to talk about this is because you guys he knows that you guys hate Max Kellerman, and he knows that you guys hate listen to him about the Knicks. So he keeps inviting you to come hate listen to him about the Knicks. So he gets a new segment of people who previously weren't listening to him. It's it's the cycle, and we feed into the cycle. That's what I'm saying. Like if you're the Knicks, best thing you can do is just like, hey guys, you're always at a ten. Let's just eight. Just set 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 to an eight. Let's not aren't we tired of this three years in a row, even if we, even if it's not a big deal, they're gonna make a big deal of it. Just avoid get out of your own way at some point because that
3: we know that the media isn't going to help you they They definitely should relax, but one thing I am grateful for in terms of like just how m s g is moving and things like that and how the franchise is, is like how they responded like the or the lack thereof of the response like you know they said they the pub, a publicist said that you know James Dolan and Patrick Ewing spoke. And that everything's cool. And that's good. That's all I need. But you know, the good thing we didn't get like them posting pictures of the VIP entrance and things like that. Like no overreactions or press conferences, like, okay, boom, this is annoying. You guys are making a big story out of it. Here's our two sentence statement, and we're moving on. That's you know, that's all I can ask for at this point.
0: Yeah, like you said, just just get out of your way. You know that if you're the Knicks, everything is gonna be blown. 10,000 times out of proportion. Even the fact that we've been talking about it for 10 minutes is like an indication of that. And it's just like, you know, it's the Nick, it's MSG. We don't need to act like it's the KGB, you know, spying on dissidents. Like we, 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 uh, that's the one thing, like, I don't really care honestly about this at all, but that's the one thing Kyle where I like, I agree with what you're saying. It's just like, you know, after the whole thing about like taping, you know, using little satellites to tape what people are play- saying on the bench, like, there is a reputation that Dolan and the MSG, you know, executive suite needs to shed, and it would be nice if they could get out of their own way a little bit. It'd be nice if we could go one year without this happening because this has now recurred three times, three years in a row, I think, with Oak and then Spike Lee, and now this. What, what the not a big deal? But just like, just everyone chill out. We're we're the only people who have these kind of the only team that has these kind of issues. So just just cool it.
2: Yeah. So I mean that that's really my whole spiel on it. I, I don't have anything else. I, I thought it was pretty, you know, like Sean said on that last note there. Just owning up immediately, addressing it, trying to move on quickly. Like That's literally all you can do. He's a, the, apparently they had a phone call. They they cleared it up. And that's, all. I, again, as fans, is all that we could really ask for at that point. So it is what it is. We can move on uh, safely there. Um, but on to a future outlook note. Uh, the Knicks are going to be playing OKC. They will be without uh, SGA, the thunder. And it looks like the Knicks might be without, uh, well, they definitely will be without Derek Rose. Again, they might be without Alfred Payton. Uh, so I mean, it looks like we'll go back to the Spurs starting lineup. I would assume then Frank is going to get another starting, nod a point guard because we know Emmanuel quickly will never, uh, we will never see that this season. A hundred percent. No way will we see Emmanuel quickly in the starting lineup. I've just accepted it this season. Uh, I mean, any real thoughts for you guys? I just feel like this is an obvious, bounce back game but um you know i i've been watching a little thunder lately after i didn't watch them to start most of the season they're scrappy uh, I, I don't believe in them much without sga but i mean it's a they're not awful i mean they're pretty decent all around They got a bunch of weird little dude like i, I mean Baisley's kind of a weird player they have poku who's up in just a strange 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 prospect uh but I, I I don't really know. I, I, Horford's there. The Maladon to, versus Nikola. D- yeah, d- dort's yeah, d- d- out there. I mean, it's a it's a weird team that they've assembled in OKC, especially if SGA isn't going to play. That last game they played at the Garden was probably one of
1: the hardest games to watch. It was just such a bad game across the board, and thankfully SGA came in and provided some entertainment in the second half as the Thunder took the lead and eventually never gave it back but man i feel like their only chance of winning this game is just bloodying it up again and the knicks just shoot poorly and i don't know i'm interested for dort versus rj though i'm not gonna lie i think dort did a good job on rj and rj was in the middle of that cold spell so i want to see how he bounces back
0: i can't wait to see randall go up against Baisley, who i think is good but is you know about as skinny as they get in the power forward position. I want to see him go full bully mode, take out all his aggression about being stifled over and over again. I want him to be like imagining Giannis just like absorbing his drives over and over again. I want to take out all that rage on Bazley this this next game.
3: Yeah, this is one of those games that like we legitimately just can't lose this one, man. Like we came out you know, it was a rust game. We went back down to 500. After this, we play Brooklyn and Philly. So when you can't lose to the Thunder without SGA, and because that that's not that's not a good look at all, and that could be setting us up for four straight L's, because um, if you beat, if you lose to the Thunder without SGA, my confidence for your matchup with Brooklyn has wavered. Um, so you know. I just hope we take care of this one. Uh, definitely interested in the RJ versus Dort matchup. Um, if RJ has a really good game against Dort, I don't care that SGA didn't play and that we're supposed to beat the Thunder. I'm going to be very annoying on the timeline about that individual matchup in itself. So I'm excited about that for sure. And yeah, Julius yeah. is definitely going to bully Darius. Also,
0: something to keep an eye out for is the, uh, the Battle of the French Princes, Maladon versus Frank. That's going to be an interesting one. Maladon's got a, a little fun kind of waterbugs thing going on out there. He's he's a good little player. I want to see how Frank does because I, I think you're right. I think we're going to see him start again if Rose and Elf are both truly out.
2: Oh, And, and on that note, while, we, while we're while we here, I would like to clear up a tweet from the Spurs game where I, I bemoaned that Frank was starting because the younger players don't get to start. Yes, guys, I know that Frank is 22 years old. He's also a fourth-year vet. I just simply meant that I would have preferred – the younger and less experienced Emmanuel quickly. I shouldn't have used younger. I should have just met like rookies, newer players. But that, that was the point that I was trying to make. Uh, did not go over well. Uh, I always get dunked on anytime I tweet about Frank. So it doesn't really matter at this point. Uh, so it, it, it is what it is. I, I've accepted it's it. It's funny but, though. You have to admit it's, it's it, funny. I just can't believe how, like, bro, like, People that have seen my generally pretty reasonable takes for years, years, <laughs> years, and then I'm just like, bro, I'd prefer Frank not starts, and then I get ten people instantly. Like, you fucking idiot, you moron, who let this guy talk about basketball? It's like, bro, God, I don't have to like him as much as you guys, man. And every time he has a good game, I get in this podcast and I go, hey man, Frank, Frank did pretty good. Nobody, nobody hears that. That that never gets clipped out. We we never we never talked about that. But it, it's only it's only when I'm just like, hey man, I would like Manuel quickly to have started. And everyone's just like this fucking idiot <laughs> i just want that to stop but um but yeah not my my last thunder note was uh this the same thing with the rj Dort stuff uh, not just because that matchup but because i think rj struggles with guys who are um as physical as him and as big as him and i think that's why um i don't want him to have to run into a ben simmons or something in the playoffs because I'm, i don't want to see uh, RJ get thrown into Rikers this early so seeing him start to win some of these battles against tough physical defenders like Adort um, even if it's a game with that SGA like Sean said like that's the game within the game for RJ this season to try to level up and develop and that's like a, a very big W that needs to come away from tomorrow night like we we can't tout RJ's strength and and you know leaps that he's making and then every time he faces a a physical defender he withers under pressure so just want to see him you know keep powering through that um you know obviously we're gonna have our eyes on that but yeah i I don't know i just think second half rj i I would like to see you know really start to try to take over a little bit i don't know how if alfred mayton's going to keep being the captain of the ship but i would like to see a little bit more scoring opportunity i think in the beginning of the season it was the right idea i think rj was just overzealous with some of those shots that he was taking um i think he cleaned it up a lot since then um kind of reeled it in what hasn't been taken as many but he's been more effective and i I think now is when you start to ramp it back up a little bit if if i'm tibbs in the knicks like i I just lean in he seems like a confident player so if you know if, if he's feeling good you know been been on the up and up for you know definitely over two months now. I I think you got to just start kind of trying to give him more of that offensive responsibility like you did the first month of the year.
3: Yeah. I definitely want to see the offense go through him more. Um, I, and it's crazy because I mean, we don't have to get back into that, but they were just playing a game last night where he was doing really well. Uh, I think he hit three. Um, he got to the basket a couple of times, knocked down a couple of mid-range jumpers, whatever it was, like a few possessions consecutively, he was scoring well. And then lo and behold, like like clockwork, Alfred Payton started taking over. I was <laughs> just like, yo, this is insane. Um, so, you know, hopefully they can get him out of the way. But yeah, like the opportunities where RJ is, you know, putting the pick and roll up top or just is able to create, uh, when him and Randall do the two-man game thing, uh, he's been so successful on those spot-ups as of late. So yeah, I'm I'm very excited for second half, for RJ. I like the aggression he came out with yesterday, and I hope that they keep feeding into that, especially as it shows. You know, I mean, a guy can only score twenty points at a rate of like you know fifty to sixty percent for so long before you're like, okay, we have to get for more touches. So hopefully, we see more of it as the season goes on, and he has an even better second half of the year.
2: Um. Oh, uh, my last my last gripe in these last couple of minutes did I did I complain about O being quick? yet on this not podcast yet.
1: no please oh, go for it. oh good
2: oh good i got i got five minutes to do it okay um yeah no nah, not to go too wild because i know we're wrapping up here but my my only real i i try to only have like one real complaint like per pod if anything with the next this year because uh, there's mostly good stuff happening and I, I like to try to focus on that um uh, when we do get it my only real complaint right now is uh, we've talked about how ob gets used a few times and i think he's not getting used the right way at this point but i'm more disappointed with the lack of just vertical attacking that they do with ob uh, I, I tweeted this last night it's bothering me more and more now when he plays with quickly a lot and quickly we saw when he played with mitch is always looking for that lap threat when he's coming downhill off the screen and then it's really nice because he either has a wide open floater and if you close them on the floater it's an easy lop it's like you you really can't lose because iq such an effective weapon already and they just don't do that with obi they did it for a couple of games they did it you know uh, against the celtics in boston they did it against the in that ugly rock fight game against the magic and msg and then they went away f- uh, went away from it i don't know why you would draft a player like obi to not use him as a screener or as a roller i don't get why you know, a lot of the times it seems like we're just dumping the ball off to him on the wing for a, a, a three, which is fine. I, I like that he shoots threes, of course, um, but it can't just be the only thing. Like you don't take an offensive weapon like that, who's somebody that's athletic like that, and then you don't really get him on the move. And I don't really get that uh, when we know Quick can make those passes. So I, I'm confused why we specifically don't see that. There's not a lot of the pick and rolling in, in the offense. And, and when Randall's there, I get it. Um, the way he operates the offense and especially if Mitch isn't playing, I, I understand, but I just feel like he, we got to see some more. I feel like that's not a, like a big ask. I just feel like that's such a simple thing that they could work into the, like, why is that not one of the first or second actions that they run with the bench unit? You know, like people aren't going to go under these, these quickly screens. He, he's either, he's either going to feast with the wide open three or you attack. And I just don't get why, they don't do this. You could even pick and pop with Obi a little bit because he can shoot. They just don't really get... It's not just... They, they. It's a lack of imagination with what they do with him. And to me, that's a little bit disappointing. I get that he's not as much of a priority because they're generally playing well, because Randall's playing well. I understand. But I, I think in these second unit minutes when, when they get gashed sometimes, it's like, yeah, like if Quick isn't making five threes instantly off the bench, they're in trouble sometimes because there's no real action. Um, so that that's my that's my gripe on that guys. Well, not only is it a lack of imagination, but like the other thing is it's very
0: clear. Anytime you see him catch the ball, he's not looking at the basket when he's catching the ball at the three point line, which is, it's a problem for him. Like he's got to figure that out. He's got to start looking at the basket because he's supposed to be like this ready-made scoring product. But if your player who can be like a legitimate second unit scoring option is that uncomfortable, it's your job as the coach to figure out how to get him going a little bit. Like it can't just be quickly is like making shots. And if he's not, then maybe Burks is making shots. And if he's not, well then everyone just pump fakes around the perimeter and you turn the ball over and come back down and try to play some defense. Like you've got to find ways to get him easy looks. And like, I've been kind of like vocally concerned about some of the stuff I've seen from Obi, but it just, it seems so clear. It's not like, Yes, it's it's unimaginative, but it's like it's also doing a disservice to your player and by virtue of doing disservice to your player, to the whole team, to not have him be put in positions where he can actually start making impactful decisions that we know that he can pass. So the the fact that he's on the short roll so rarely is just like it doesn't make any sense. Like you have so many shooters in that second unit. And even like like we've seen Taj Gibson start to go out and space to the corners. That's huge. Put Obi in the short role and let him make decisions. That's his best attribute right now is as a passer. So it just it, – it, it really is kind of mind-boggling. And, like, they like, I, I do think that Obi just needs to flat out be better regardless of how they use him. But they are not putting him in positions to succeed. And it, it, it hurts the team and it hurts him. It's just, And it hurts the team's future because, like, if you want to trade him, for example, which I'm not saying they should, but if you wanted to – you got to make him look good and he he, does, he looks lost out there right now which is fine he's a rookie he can be lost out there but you draft a 22 year old rookie you gotta get him comfortable you got to get him in some in-game reps where he's able to play to his strengths and that just seems like like basic kind of stuff.
1: yeah he did look good last night to his credit though in limited time that was the first time I saw him actually look comfortable on the floor other times he's doing exactly what you said and he's just like meandering he's just out there. And I feel like it's he's kind of a it's part of a bigger problem with this team where they're still not running because every coach since Mike Woodson has said we're gonna get up and down the floor, and it never turns into that. So at some point you gotta maybe in the second half we'll start to see it more. Get up and down the floor. You have quickly an OBR made for that type of game. Where if you're bad on defense, if you're not a great defensive unit, score. Just try and outscore your opponent.
3: Yeah, I definitely don't think we've put guys in the best position and uh that's definitely why i wasn't able to give tips and a when we did our mid-season grades um i mean b plus not far off but yeah like i don't understand why we don't get them going downhill use that pick and roll um i really a- agree like one of the first things that jumped out to me when i went and watched obi's film after we drafted him because i'd seen a few things but i didn't look too much into him i didn't think he was going to end up a nick but when i really watched his film one of the things that jumped out was the skill as a passer and his like decision making in the short role, like it was clear. I watched the uh, Mike Schmidt one where they like went over all this, all of his different mm-hmm. offense and things like that. And yeah, it jumped out. So I don't understand why we don't put him in those positions. Cause like Eli said, you just 22 year old rookie at some point, you've got to start putting him in positions where he can be comfortable and where he can start to grow and excel. Um, so that's frustrating. And also just, to, I, I honestly don't even think that IQ and Obi should be married together the way they are. Um, I think that IQ really has to start getting minutes with RJ and Randall. Um, I think that if you if you yell if you yell out about him not being the playmaker that you need him to be, blah, 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 then make him the third playmaker in the lineup. That puts takes a lot of pressure off him, uh spaces the floor a lot. I mean the Tommy Beard said that, uh, the the IQ RJ Randall net rating is uh, plus 11.9. It's the best net rating on the team among units that have logged 140 plus minutes together. The Elf RJ Julius net rating is minus 2.9. It's the second worst net rating on the team among units that have logged 300 minutes. Like it's a huge difference. And I feel like we're the best possible team we are when he's on the court because he plays into exactly what they need out there with them. Yeah, no, I it, it's ironclad. Uh, the case is ironclad. He's got to get more minutes. He's got to get him regularly,
2: and hopefully he gets ramped up in the second half of the season. But uh, as we're running out of time here, that was my, my main gripe. Uh, I know it's the often gripe with, with us wanting to have quickly and guys get used better, but uh, the, the OB stuff bothers me more because it's like he gets so few chances as it is. It's like, the least you could do is throw him a couple of pick and rolls. Let this guy get a couple of lobs, man. Like why, why do we got to live or die by a couple of threes? And then that's all we remember him by in these games. Like he could do some other stuff, but I uh, agree with the quickly point nonetheless. So on that note, thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of the next Ball podcast. Make sure you're subscribed, giving us a five-star rating and review. Uh, I want to thank Eli for hopping on with us uh, once again, as always. Um, for also, me. thank you guys, uh, everybody who bought the lucky lefty shirts last week. Uh, appreciate your support with that. Uh, happy to get you guys another design. Uh, the you know our our god, our goat, Ryan Gray, with another uh, shirt success, another video success. With uh, you know, legend, what you guys saw yesterday. That with video was man beautiful. Day, so. beautiful, Be- beautiful. Just ours. that was his first video, by the way, folks. Our, first ever. That was guy. crazy. This guy, the most talented man in hire him. Seriously. really just a, happy he's working with the good guys as i often say but make sure you read the dot every day and we will talk to you guys next week hopefully with a couple more w's and a couple a little bit more good news so Adios. take it easy y'all peace take it easy